Patricia Ranold is convener of the Australian Fair Trade and Investment Network. Pat, welcome to Subject ACT. Thank you. So uh, the first question uh, that I have is, what is the TPP and what is a free trade agreement uh, just in general, just so people get uh, their head around uh, the, the issue at large? Well, free trade agreements are legally binding agreements made between governments and they're usually negotiated um, behind closed doors and we don't see the text until after the negotiations are, are finished and after it's been signed. So in that's that's just normal operation then for a free trade agreement? In Australia it is, right. yes. Um, some countries have a more open and democratic process, but in Australia um, it, it's only after it's signed that it is tabled in Parliament and examined by a parliamentary committee, but all the parliamentary committee could do is say yes or no to the implementing legislation. It can't change the text. And there has been a lot of discussion about this, and uh, a Senate inquiry a couple of years ago recommended that the process be more open, and we actually have independent evaluations of trade agreements before they're signed. And people are still asking for this in the case of the, the version Mark II version of the TPP that is now under discussion. If we look at the history of the TPP, it was originally negotiated between Australia, the US and um, 10 other countries, 12 countries altogether. Um, there was a lot of criticism of it because it has a lot of rules which are basically designed to benefit global corporations, but the rules that they want don't necessarily benefit ordinary people. For mm. example, there are rules that increase monopolies on medicines, which means that you have to wait longer before cheaper versions of medicines become available. So that, that original version of the TPP was signed in late 2015. Right. Um, but uh, then um, Donald Trump, it, it, didn't, it was opposed by both sides of politics mm, in mm. the US. I know, I know uh, Bernie Sanders ran an anti-TPP uh, campaign as well. Yeah. Well, in and in the US, um, both Hillary Clinton and Trump opposed it in there. Both Democrats and Republicans opposed it in the end, in the presidential election. But the key thing is that the US Congress did not approve it before the presidential election. Yep. So when President Trump was elected, it was easy for him to withdraw mm. from it, which he did. Now, that meant that that version of the TPP couldn't go ahead because the US was 60% of the combined GDP of all of the um, members. And wasn't the all, members. Sorry to interrupt. And wasn't a lot of the anxiety around the TPP Mark One was that the America was a big player in it? That's right. They um, insisted on a number of issues. I've already talked about stronger medicine monopolies. They also insisted on having... Um, the, uh, special legal rights for global corporations to be able to sue governments over domestic laws, mm. known, known as investor state disputes or ISDS. And it's that sort of provision that enabled, for instance, the Philip Morris Tobacco Company to sue our government over our plain packaging laws. Mm. And there are lots of other examples of governments being sued over health or environmental laws. Um, now, what has happened since um, 
Donald Trump withdrew and the that original version couldn't go ahead is that the TPP-11, the 11 other governments, have been trying to reach some kind of agreement without the US. And um, it's a very con- it's been a very convoluted process so that what they did last year was um, agree to suspend, temporarily suspend, some of the nastiest provisions, for instance, some of the ones about medicines mm. um, and other issues. Um, so they're still going to be in the text, but they'll be kind of in brackets in case the US comes back. Right. Because yep. basically they were provisions that the US wanted. No one else really wanted them, but they um, agreed to them in order to get access to the US market. So if the US market is no longer there, um, they're suspending them. So mm. that's one change. Yep. But there have been a number of other changes negotiated um, and we're not aware of what they all are. So the latest version of the text um, will not be revealed until after uh, the ceremonial signing, which currently is planned for March the 8th. Right, right. And I remember when the um, the text of the, uh, the first TPP was um, put online and, like, it was just... It was uh, almost beyond belief that anyone would be able to trawl through it because it's just so huge. So, yeah, I mean, it's over six thousand pages and it's got thirty chapters. It's much. It's only about five of the chapters are actually about <laughs> traditional trade issues like reducing tariffs. Particularly for Australia, our tariffs are already so low that um, most of the um, issues that are relevant to Australia in the TPP are actually these other 25 chapters which deal with having new rules which affect our domestic law. So there are, um, there's not only investor rights to sue governments and um, uh, increased monopolies on medicines, there's stronger monopolies on copyright and um, that means copyright holders have stronger rights, say, in the context of the internet and electronic commerce. Right. Um, there's um, chapters ranging from um, uh, telecommunications to financial services. Um, all sorts of um, essential services are dealt with. And the general um, shape of those chapters is to treat the reg- government regulation as if it were a tariff. Right. In other words, yeah. what you want to do with government regulation is freeze it and then reduce it over time. Now, as a civil society group, we think that approach is wrong because we've had the experience where governments need to be able to <laughs> introduce new regulation when situations change. For example, the global financial crisis. Yeah. Now, most economists agree that that was in part caused by the deregulation of the financial mm. sector and new financial services which weren't adequately regulated. So the way that governments have in part dealt with that has been to re-regulate in certain key areas. Now, the TPP makes it more difficult for governments to re-regulate. In the text, it, it says they should not be introducing new regulations once something has been deregulated. And also it has this extra um, whip for governments, which is that if they do introduce new regulation, they can also be sued by individual companies. 
who can argue that the new regulation um, has harmed their investment. Mm, mm. So it does place quite a break in a large number of areas on the ability of future governments to regulate. Another example is um, regulating to deal with um, the... um, to try and prevent climate change or deal with the impacts of climate change. Again, um, I've read advice from um, legal firms saying to um, potential clients, well, if the government introduces this sort of regulation, for instance, um, I saw some um, advice which dealt with uh, the uh, current government's plans to um, limit the amount of gas that's sold overseas and um, have reserves of gas um, to to deal with demand in Australia. If there's a foreign investor that perceives that um, new regulation as harming their investment, they may be able to sue the government. Now, we don't think that's in the public interest. We don't think trade agreements should be about either reinforcing monopolies, Mm. that's not free trade, or giving additional legal powers to global corporations that already have enormous market power. And the problem with the TPP Mark II, or it's been rebranded, it's rather Orwellian, it's now called the Comprehensive Progressive TPP. Right. <laughs> the problem is that we do know that some of the bad things are still there. So mm. we do know that investor rights to sue governments are still there, foreign investor rights to sue governments. We do know that um, it also um, uh, increases the potential for the number of um, vulnerable temporary workers to come into Australia without labour market testing from at least six countries, um, which is given all the um, scandals that there have been about the um, treatment of these vulnerable temporary workers who can be deported if they complain at work. Mm. Um, the government itself has, since the, T- the original TPP, it has said it will reintroduce labour market testing, but in the TPP it's still going to remove labour market testing um, for um, temporary workers. And that means that there will be larger numbers of workers coming to Australia without testing whether local workers are available. Right, yeah. And they'll be vulnerable to exploitation. Mm, absolutely. Um, in one of the campaign statements... Uh by uh, the Fair Trade and Investment Network. Um, It says that even when the TPP included the US, studies showed hardly any economic benefits for Australia. So if that's the case, is is it just false belief that we'll benefit out of it? Or why why are we going into it in the first place? Well, what the government has done has said... It's it's produced all these stories of particular industries or... um, sectors which are going to have a little bit of benefit from the TPP. I think sugar might be one of them, is that right? Yeah, sugar. There'll be a bit more market access for Australian sugar into Japan, for example. Right. And there's some other benefits for dairy producers and wine producers. Now, we don't deny that, but but there's some benefits for those particular sectors. But the justification for trade agreements is to look at the benefits for the economy as a whole. Right. (laughs) And... um, Really, um, the original studies that were done of the TPP, even though they had very favourable assumptions, um, which most of these studies do, still showed um, something like an increase of 
0.07% after (laughs) after 15 years. Wow. Now, that was with access to the US market. Mm, Yeah. Um, So... um, so it's possibly even less now. It's a very small now. benefit for the economy as a whole and, and economists like Peter Martin and others and the Productivity Commission um, said that there needed to be more independent studies to really assess um, what the actual costs would be as well as the benefits yeah. as shown by these studies. Now, the government has refused to, to have any studies specifically that, that look at the Australian economy in relation to this new version of the TPP without the US. And again, we've had a series of economists and the Productivity Commission saying there should be an independent study Mm. um, to look at, um, uh, you know, what are the real costs and benefits of this agreement, especially now that the US is not involved since it was 60% of the combined GDP of the previous uh, players. Um, and the government is saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to say it will be good for sugar farmers and wine growers and so on, um, which is, you know, we don't deny that, but we should be looking at the impact on the economy as a whole and what are the costs of things like reinforcing medicine monopolies or um, having um, foreign investors able to sue governments over domestic laws for millions, in some cases, billions of dollars. Um, we've seen uh, in the last couple of years um, huge protest movements against all sorts of issues and uh, you mentioned America before uh, part of the reason it it uh, died in the water so to speak is uh, the community backlash against the TPP but we haven't seen that so much in Australia and the TPP doesn't really get a lot of media coverage either is there more we can be doing to activate around this issue? Uh, well, you can certainly go to our website. We're um, seeking a Senate inquiry into the TPP. We're seeking an independent evaluation of it. Um, we're seeking a Senate inquiry. Now, a Senate inquiry will be more independent and also the government doesn't have a majority in the Senate. So there is a possibility that a Senate inquiry could look at this agreement and say, no, it's not in the public interest and say we shouldn't pass the implementing legislation. In fact, that is what happened last February, a year ago, when despite the fact that the US had withdrawn and so that version of the TPP couldn't go ahead, the the government tried to put the implementing legislation through the parliament. We managed to get a Senate inquiry and the Senate inquiry said, no, we're not going to pass implementing legislation for an agreement which can't go ahead without the US, and it also detailed a lot of the issues that I've been raising, uh, criticisms of the TPP. Um, we have had a six-year, seven-year campaign around the TPP, um, which has resulted in millions of people signing petitions. Oh, okay. Um, there have been... Um, we presented petitions to uh, Parliament, organisations like... Get Up and Choice and the Public Health Association um, made submissions criticising the TPP and mobilising their members and informing their members. So there has been quite a lot of activity. Okay. There haven't been the big set-piece rallies, but um, there was a lot of activity and public discussion uh, over that six-year period about the TPP. And if you look at um, polls, 
um, about issues in the TPP. For example, if you ask Australians, as Essential Media did in 2016, do you think that foreign corporations should have the right to sue Australian governments over domestic mm, law? Mm. An overwhelming majority say no. Right. So I think that um, although it hasn't been the major, you know, issue in elections and so on, it has been, there has been a lot of public and critical discussion about it. And certainly um, we want to have, uh, to maximise that public and critical discussion um, in, in the current period. In other words, we want to make sure that there is a Senate inquiry that can have a more critical approach to whether the Parliament should actually pass the implementing legislation. And if it's not in the public interest, we believe that the Senate should block the implementing legislation. Uh, so if you go to our website, which is um, aftinet.org.au, you can send a message to um, the opposition and, and crossbench senators asking them to support a Senate inquiry and an independent assessment of the TPP. I just had a quick question um, about the... Uh, you mentioned uh, it as an election issue, the TPP is an election issue. Um, Labor seemed to say that the TPP was ruined. So if Labor were to be elected, I don't know, the second half of the year or uh, or something like that, would, would they be able to pull out of the TPP or is it too late by that point? Well, it would depend on whether the implementing legislation would be passed, had, had been passed or not. Um, I'm not sure when or whether there would be an election, but mm. the Labor Party already has policy against investor-state disputes or investors being able to sue governments, foreign investors being able to sue governments. It has policy against medicine monopolies, has policy against removal of labour market testing um, for vulnerable temporary workers. So um, it does have policies in all those areas. Um, and what we're asking is that they and the other um, minor parties and crossbenchers in the Senate agree to have a Senate inquiry so that there can be a real critical appraisal of whether this new version of the TPP is actually in the public interest or not. And if it's not, we'll be asking them to vote against the implementing legislation. Patricia, thanks so much for speaking with us. Can you just give the listener um, the details of how to access the uh, Fair Trade and Investment Network, uh, the, the website and all the information? Yes, it's aftinet, A-F-T-I-N-E-T dot org dot A-U. Excellent. Patricia Ranald is convener of the Australian Fair Trade and Investment Network. Thanks so much for speaking with us on Subject ACT. Thank you.